everybody? How's everybody doing? I hope everybody's doing really good. I always hope that y'all are doing really good because it's good to be really good. You know, it's a good thing to be. Uh, <laughs> thank y'all again so much for uh, listening to um, the Kitchen Sink Podcast with Ian Richings, where I talk about everything, but I need to start using my tagline a little more at the beginning of podcasts. I am so proud of the name of the podcast and uh, everything that it um, that it entails, and yet I barely even talk about the uh, the whole catchphrase and whatnot. So, how's everybody's 2021 going so far? I know that it's uh, still early. It's only, what, the, uh, gosh, I don't even know what date it is. It's the 6th. Yeah, I remember now. It's the 6th, because one of my uh, big jobs over at where I, where I work is to type the date, so I need to keep track of what the date is. Mine's been going well so far. It's already been busy, and it's already, um, there's already been a lot going on. But uh, one of the big things going on is that tomorrow, ugh, tomorrow's the first day of classes starting back up. I know that we uh, touched base on that a little bit uh, with Andy last week. Uh, and by the way, I'm, I'm, I really appreciate all of the love that that episode with Andy has been getting. I haven't been getting a lot of res- responses and I haven't been getting a lot of feedback, but just the fact that so far it is the most viewed episode of The Kitchen Sink really means a lot. I wasn't expecting, I think last time I checked, it was 11 people. It could have bumped up to 12, which for big podcasters might not seem like that big of a deal, but I don't even expect one person to listen to this. Okay, maybe one person, that one person being my wife, but more people have listened and it really means the world to me that so many people would want to tune in. I was like, okay, so I was looking at my analytics on Anchor and I realized that there was one person who was listening from, I think it was Costa Rica or Puerto Rico, one of those. I just bombed. Puerto Rico or Costa Rica is one of those. And one person was listening from the Philippines. Was not expecting them to just stumble across my podcast. And so crazy that I'm already having random people listen, well, not random people. I mean, we obviously cross paths for a reason. But to have people from countries that I've never even been to and hardly know anything about, I'm not a geography major. And <laughs> for them to listen to my podcast is insane. Even if they did just click on and click away, like, oh, didn't mean to click that. Still, it just means a lot that my name is out there and that my podcast is out there and discoverable by God only knows who out there. Like, if I were to get a viewer from Germany, that would be a listener, sorry, a listener from Germany, that'd be awesome, because I freaking love German. I was in the German National Honor Society in high school, and that's one of the few things that I can brag about from high school, is that I was in the German National Honor Society. So, but no, 2020 has been uh, going all right for me, and yeah, classes starting back up tomorrow, but thank God it is my very last semester. Like I said last week, I might as well go for a doctorate at this point. Because it's just been a lot. School has not been enjoyable. I mean, there have been good moments, of course. I can find good in everything, but I'm ready to be done. I'm ready to move on to the next chapter. I'm ready to not worry about going to class and not worry about just being tied to a major, being tied to school, and it's just this big thing hanging over me. Again, I'm trying to make the most of it, but I'm ready to be done. I am so ready to be done. As opposed to Andy, who, as you heard, absolutely loves school. I don't get it. 
The guy's a psycho. Andy, I know you're listening. You're a psycho. Speaking of Andy, he is going to be back on this podcast. I don't know when, but he most certainly will be because just today he moved back into town for class. He's finally going to be doing classes in person again. And all of this we covered last week. But just in case you didn't catch last week, I'm just giving you a little updates. Which, speaking of which, if you are one of the people that have not listened to last week's podcast, I'm very, very proud of it because it was just so great talking to my old roommate and just all of the great in-depth conversation that we had. So if you haven't listened to that, I highly recommend listening to it. It was a blast and a half, and I can't wait to talk to that awesome guy again. But today, I haven't really gone in with a lot of a plan, which is, uh, what is it that Star-Lord says in Guardians of the Galaxy 1? I have 12% of a plan. That's not a plan, it's barely a concept. That's me! I've just had so much going on lately, and I've really been trying to think about what to talk about. Because there's so many things that I can talk about. I mean, it's the kitchen sink. Nothing's off limits. So, I don't know why I was struggling so much to try and find something to talk about. But, I realized there is one thing that I'm very, very passionate about. Video games. I am a massive, massive gamer. Okay, I feel like when I say gamer, there's kind of a different connotation. I, w- I am not one of those guys that you'll find um, sitting on my butt for hours and hours on end. Headset on. Only time I wear a headset so I'm doing this podcast. Headset on. Controller in my hand. Sweatpants. Just blasting away with Call of Duty or Battlefield or whatever these other games that everyone plays is. I- I'm not one of those. I play games casually, and I enjoy them. I've played them for a long time, but I just play them casually. They're my escape. They're my way to get away from life, to get away from all of the drama that comes around, and just unwind. Some people unwind with a book, which I'm going to start unwinding with a new book once I find time to read it. It's a book I'm procrastinating. <laughs> but uh, not really. It's Ben Shapiro's latest book. Mentioned that last week, too. Um, but I just love video games. And so thought it'd be good if y'all want to know a little bit about my taste in video games and video games that mean a lot to me. I feel like you can learn a lot about a person by not, I said the same thing about when I was talking about my favorite albums. Uh, same way that you can learn a lot about somebody by listening to their favorite albums and listening to the, knowing the kind of music that they listen to. You can learn a lot about a person by the kind of video games they play. So like you have your Call of Duty people and you have your Sims people and you have, um, I don't know what other, okay. I'm just, I have been so busy with so many non-video game related things that I'm almost kind of out of the loop. I used to be in the know on everything video games. I used to be walking IGN, man, but better because IGN isn't the best. But I used to be just like that, knew all this video game stuff, and now I've, I feel like I'm, I'm becoming that old out-of-touch guy. But enough about that. I thought that all of you would be um, very good to um, it'd be beneficial for y'all to know. That's the word. What my favorite video games are now, just like my favorite albums. It's really hard for me to rank them greatest of all time, like all time a favorite because I love all of them for so many different reasons. And so this isn't even a set list of things. I, not even a set number, but 
just off the top of my head, I was thinking, what are some video games that have stuck around with me the longest and the ones that have meant the most to me? And so I just wanted to share with y'all some of my all-time favorite video games of my entire life. The first one is one that's very dear to me. I have a long history with it. In fact, you know what? Since I have such a long history with it, I'm going to save it for one of the last ones. So I want to make y'all give y'all a little taste, give you, whew, make you make you want it, make you want to. I, I don't know, I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, one, uh, here's one that means a lot to me. Uh, I grew up with this video game. It's uh, let me tell you. Okay, let me just tell you the order of consoles that I owned. PlayStation One was the first console I ever owned because it was in my house before I was even born, I think, and I played that one. Next console I had was a GameCube, and I had two. And my handheld was a Game Boy Advance SP, you know, the little flip silver one. I didn't have an original Game Boy. I don't know why. I just was late on the draw, uh, slow on the draw, whatever, with that one. But it went PS One, Game Boy Advance, GameCube. Nintendo DS, PlayStation 2, Xbox 360, uh, Wii U, Nintendo Switch. Those are my orders. I've been all over the map, all across the board. I've never been solely one, solely the other. But by and large, I'm a Nintendo guy. I don't care if they're the exact same games that I was playing as a kid. They are still amazing to me to this day. Mario will forever be my homeboy. Um, I'll always be a Pokemon guy. Um, just all those old games and all those old characters that everyone grew up with. I love them. I would much rather pick up an old 3D or 2D platformer than I would ever pick up a first-person shooter. Those games just aren't my thing. The only time I ever really got into first-person shooters was when I was about... 12 or 13 that was when everyone my age was playing them that's all anyone was talking about and the main reason probably the reason I wanted an Xbox 360 as my next console was because everybody that I was in school with um, all the rich kids and all that I went to a private school and all of them were rich and very mean to me uh, <laughs> they all had Xbox 360s and they were always talking about Call of Duty Black Ops that was the latest game and so, I wanted it solely because I wanted to fit in. I don't know if y'all heard that, but there's just a notification in my headphones that really hurt. I don't know if y'all heard it. If you did, I'm so sorry. That hurt my ears. Anywho, uh, I've got Call of Duty Black Ops because that was what everybody was playing. And admittedly, I enjoyed it. It's not going to be on this list, but I do enjoy Call of Duty Black Ops for what it was. I'm not a first-person shooter guy, but... I enjoyed the campaign, and here's the thing. With all the first-person shooters I played, and the few that I owned, never played them online, solely because I did not have money for an online service, and for a good chunk of my life I didn't have the online for an online service. So when I had Call of Duty, and um, Halo, I never owned Halo, but the Call of Duty games that I owned, the two of them, I always played the campaign modes, and that's what I based the game off of. That being said, Black Ops 1 and 2... Love the campaigns, especially Black Ops 1. I thoroughly enjoyed that game. Had a blast with it. Uh, played it with my uh, with my best friend Joe constantly. Me and him loved playing it. We always did 
two, it was, we always did two player and it really sucked because Joe was so good at that game and I was always so crappy. He kept finding all of these cheesy, cheap, awful ways to kill me in that game. And I couldn't do anything about it. And especially that I think in Black Ops 1, at least if I can remember, there were no bots, there were no computer players. So it was literally just me and him on a wide open uh, uh, battlefield. So there was only so much that could be done. And I cherish those memories, but Joe can tell you, gosh, I got so pissed. <laughs> it was so hard playing that game. So first person shooters, not my thing, but I did own a Black Ops 1 and 2. But as far as games that are my speed, that are my pace and my style, Sonic Adventure 2 is up there. I hope that y'all have played Sonic Adventure 2. If you haven't, that's one of those games that I highly recommend everyone play. And I want to say that it was because of nostalgia, but I've been picking up, oh, like, like I said, with, I said this with Andy last week, that I've been going back during 2020, I was going back to old video games I used to play, and Sonic Adventure 2 was that primary game. And that game is just still so fun. I wasn't looking at it. I, I was afraid I was looking at it with rose-tinted shades and that nostalgia was going to get the best of me. That This game isn't even that good. Like, why did I like it when I was a kid? I still love that game. I played through it all the way through at least, like, three times during 2020 because I love the game just that much. That was one of my all-time favorite games as a child. It defined my childhood. I became a diehard Sonic fan. I loved loved those Sonic games. The recent ones that aren't Sonic Mania, I'm not proud of. Sonic Forces never happened. Um, I have a weird, weird spot in my heart for Sonic 06. Sonic Unleashed is good. Sonic Generations was really good. So it's mainly Sonic Forces that really disappointed me. And... Oh, brutally disappointed me. That's a whole other rant altogether. But Sonic Adventure 2, just the... I love the storyline of it. And for the record, I had Sonic Adventure 1 and 2. I recommend both of them. But Sonic Adventure 1 had its, like... The way it was set up is, if you played it, you would know. The cutscenes of it aren't, like, computer-generated cutscenes. They do the cutscenes using the character models in the in-game world. With limited animation and very odd faces and mouths, it's it, it's not good. It's really not good, but it has a charm to it. Like, if you grew up with it, you would think, this is... I can look back and think, wow, I actually thought these cutscenes were good, but now they just have such a charm, and I still love them. That's Sonic Adventure 1. Sonic Adventure 2, they ended up changing it to actual cutscenes. And even though nothing in the game is perfect by any stretch of the word, I don't want to play a perfect game. If a game has flaws, I'm going to love it for those flaws. Even if I exploit it for those flaws, I still love its flaws. Sonic Adventure 2 has flaws. Some of the voice acting could use work. Some of the gameplay can be irritating at times but by and large it runs so smooth the story is just so fun and honestly if you pick it apart the story for Sonic Adventure 2 goes pretty deep like so mm, gosh I don't want to go into it 
y'all probably haven't played. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. Since Sonic Adventure 2 has been out since, like, 1999, um, I'm about to talk about Sonic Adventure 2. And I'm going to spoil the very last level of the game. So, if you don't want to be spoiled about, about Sonic Adventure 2, I'm talking to you, Gabrielle, because I'm making you play that game. And anybody else that wants to play it, skip ahead. Because I'm going to talk about one of my favorite aspects of the game. Have you skipped forward? Okay. If you're still here, you were warned. And I really don't want you to be spoiled on the work of art that is Sonic Adventure 2. Uh, when you get into Professor Gerald Robotnik's lab, which is the very last level, and you're trying to stop the um, entire world from being destroyed by this giant space station in the um, in the sky. I know it sounds like Star Wars. There are definitely parallels. Massive parallels. Uh, I mean, the death egg in the original Sonic games. Come on. They borrow from everything. And that's why I love Sonic. They may, They borrow, but they also make it their own. Uh, as you ascend deeper and deeper into the core of the Eclipse Cannon, is what the place is called, when you go deeper and deeper, it goes from being this generic, you know, mechanized, robot-based uh, lair, like, oh yeah, robots and gears and screws and um, like uh, lights and all that kind of stuff. The whole generic uh, robot-based bad guy kind of shtick. The further down you go, it goes from being battery and electricity powered to looking like some sort of old ancient tomb powered by some sort of ancient liquid and some sort of weird amber oil and all this sort of stuff there's a lot of inscriptions and stone everywhere and as you go on through the cannon's core it just becomes you realize the professor's descent into madness as he was on his last leg. It's just little things like that that I love. But who knows? I'm I'm just that crazy guy that's overanalyzing a Sonic game. So if you skipped ahead, you're good now. Attention. If you are skipping ahead and you hear this, that means you're good. Please don't skip ahead anymore. I love you. I need you. I want you to stay. Okay, now that Sonic Adventure 2 is out of the way and my big um, rant or gushing about just how good that game is, which I'm going to have to pick that game back up, let me go over to something a little more recent, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Now, I grew up with the Super Smash Bros. franchise since game one on the Nintendo 64. I never owned an N64, so I was never able to play it on in my own time. On my own time. Whatever it is. But I played it with my cousin, my cousin Benjamin, love him to death, and I hate that because of this virus that I haven't been able to see him in what feels like years, even though it's probably just been a year, it feels like years. Um, I grew up playing Super Smash Brothers with him, played it on the N64, on his N64, then played it on, played Melee, the second one, on my GameCube, never owned a Wii, so I played Super Smash Brothers Brawl with him on the Wii. And every time I went to go, I went to go visit him in North Carolina as often as I could to play video games because that was our thing. And I love playing video games with my cousin to this day. Love playing video games with him. So Super Smash Brothers has always been a huge part of our lives and by relation, my life. So every time a new, and this has been ever since I was a kid, looking back, this has always been me. After... The first Super Smash Brothers, 
and when Melee was coming out, and then Brawl, and then um, Wii U. They really got lazy with their titles. And then Ultimate. All of those games, I was following those games from conception until they were released and downloadable content. I was following all of it religiously. Like when Super Smash Brothers for Wii U came out, they were always coming out every day. They were coming out with some new concept of the game, not a new stage, not a new character, not anything that really matters to casual people. But just tiny things, like tiny details to the game, like how this character reacts to this move, or this tiny effect that you'll only notice if you squint and turn your head looking at the background. And I ate it up. And going back in time, that was even me during the Melee days, I was constantly on the official Super Smash Bros. website watching it, just watching everything happen, wondering when the next thing was going to be revealed, the next big character. So, Super Smash Brothers is the only franchise that I have followed so religiously and have just loved so much. I have lived and breathed that game. I am nowhere near being a pro at it. People smoke me at that game all the time, Andy being one of them. And my wife has even beaten me a couple times. But, someone's going to take that out of context. Beat me at the game. <laughs> Oh, man, that this is going to be the kitchen sink out of context. Oh, my wife's beat me a couple times. <laughs> but, uh, no, like, I've followed Super Smash Brothers for so long. But Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, the latest one on Nintendo Switch, I highly recommend everyone get a Nintendo Switch and everyone get it just for Super Smash Brothers because it is the most legendary. And not, and not even just by me saying it. This is not an opinion. This is a certified fact the most legendary and historic fighting game in history. Because Super Smash Brothers, for those of you that don't know, all started as a little fun little fighting game that featured nothing but characters from Nintendo. So it had Mario, Luigi, Donkey Kong, uh, Pikachu, uh, Link, uh, Samus from Metroid, all of these different people. Characters. Kirby. And you just fought using moves that that character abilities that character had in their games with a lot of callbacks and references to those games you fought in locations from those games and it picked up so much that the roster of it of characters that are playable doubled pretty much in the second game gosh i can, I, I don't have the actual numbers but i feel like there was about 20 20 playable characters in the second one where we're at right now, we're at about 74, give or take, in the new game. And it's expanded beyond Nintendo. Sonic the Hedgehog is in it. Solid Snake from Metal Gear Solid, the, the game by Konami, is in it. And now they've even added... They've, they're still adding to it! This game came out like two, three years ago. Three years ago, I think. And they're still adding on to it. And... They've just recently added Steve from Minecraft in the game. Like, they keep adding all these characters that have no business associating with Mario and Zelda and the cats from Fire Emblem and all that stuff. But Masahiro Sakurai, the creator of the game, is just making a game that's essentially a love letter to all of video games. I highly recommend if you have not even touched a Super Smash Bros. game, or even worse, if you haven't touched Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, to do it. 
because it is phenomenal. Like, I, God, I love that game. I love that game so much. So it's got a, so it's one of my favorites. Just the Super Smash Brothers series is tops, but Super Smash Brothers Ultimate is the pinnacle. And I don't know if it's ever going to get better than this. If Masahiro Sakurai retires after they reveal the very last character, I would not blame him in the slightest. God, there's so much to it. Like, that just makes the game so insane. But I don't want to make an entire episode of me going on and on about Super Smash Brothers. I might. I might actually do that. But not right now. Because I'm moving on to a game that's different in comparison to the ones that I've listed already. Um, I'm going to touch on it very, very slightly. Um, when I first got my PlayStation 2 after my GameCube broke, uh, my parents traded in all of my GameCube stuff for my PS2. Still mad about that, but they said that I was the one that wanted it, so I don't know what was wrong with me. But this was when I was first becoming a fan of professional wrestling. That's an entirely different conversation, but I'm a diehard pro wrestling fan, and I hate that I haven't been able to watch much of it uh, during the pandemic. But... I remember when I got my PlayStation 2, the very first game I got was SmackDown vs. Raw 2008, the latest wrestling game. And I enjoyed that game. Then I got 2009 after it, 2010 after it. But when 2011 hit, they made so many changes to the game. And by so many, I mean one of my favorite things, the physics engine. Usually when you were playing the other SmackDown vs. Raw games prior to it and you were in the middle of a wrestling match and doing... The best things in wrestling, using steel chairs and ladders and tables and all of that great stuff. Whenever you were to hit somebody with it and then drop it on the ground, it's like a piece of paper just hitting the ground. And then paper, paper isn't that heavy. But you know what I mean? It was just something flat. And when you walked around, it just kind of slid across the ring with no real rhyme or reason. It's just just sitting there. Then you interact with it, and it just sits there again. Not a lot of character to it. But in SmackDown vs. Raw 2011, SVR 2011, as you, if you abbreviate it, they included a new physics engine. And it was imperfect, but it was a massive step. They've improved on it ever since. But the tables actually fall over when you're going past them. The ladders fold if you end up running into them. The chairs can like go everywhere. I don't know. It's just... I enjoyed that physics engine. Some of my greatest memories of wrestling games come from that physics engine really screwing up and uh, maybe like a kendo stick that somebody got hit with is spazzing and going through the crowd and just orbiting around the arena indefinitely. Some of my favorite memories. And they're so funny. And I loved that game. And plus the customization of it has always been my favorite thing. So SmackDown vs. Raw 2011 if I had to um, choose one wrestling game solely because that physics engine really amped it up. It's really hard for me to pick one Mario game, but if I had to, it would be Super Mario Sunshine, which uh, I ended up getting the, um, I think I mentioned this a few episodes ago, the Super Mario 3D All-Stars collection. And Super Mario Sunshine is in it. And I'm kicking myself for not opening, for not playing Super Mario Sunshine yet, because when I was making this list, I was thinking... God, that's such a good game. Why have I not touched it yet? So Super Mario Sunshine was just introduced so many different... The whole concept of the flood and using water and cleaning up goop and everything. Another game I highly recommend. Like I said, it's on Switch now, but only for a limited time. Loved it. 
another big part of my childhood. Played it along with Sonic Adventure 2. So you can tell when video games really started having the biggest impact on me was during the GameCube days. Here's a major shift. This is a game that I guarantee is not on anybody else's list. It's a game that I just kind of came across being advertised on a Nintendo indie showcase. And, yeah, it's a little indie game. And it really stuck with me. I was so curious about it, so I picked it up, and it ended up being one of the smoothest, most enjoyable games ever. It's called Golf Story. Yes, Golf Story. Bear with me here. I'm not a sports guy. Wrestling, but I'm not a sports guy. Um... Golf Story is so unique. It is both a golf game and an RPG game at the same time. It's all arcade style, but also tells a great story. You're able to explore. Has such charming graphics. Hilarious dialogue. Like, dang, that game is funny. But the gameplay of it is so good. Like, even people that aren't fans of golf, like me, who know hardly anything about golf, like me, can pick up that game and thoroughly enjoy it just because it's that well made. So Golf Story is a big game for me. My list keeps turning off. Yeah, uh, you think I have a pad and pen for this? Like paper? No. Mm-mm. Uh, oh, here's oh, here's the fran- franchise that I love. And I hate that since I didn't have a 3DS, I wasn't able to play all the latest games. I'm going to have to get some emulators for that or something. That's off the record. Um, Ace Attorney. Especially the original Ace Attorney trilogy. I don't know if you've heard of it. Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney. There's three games. It's Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney. Ace Attorney. Justice for All and Ace Attorney. Trials and Tribulations. They're basically little visual novels. But that's kind of how they're portrayed. But you're an attorney. And I know that sounds lame, but you collect evidence. You interrogate people. You talk to them. You collect evidence. You go to court. You present that evidence, and you need to present the right evidence so you can win. And the story is just so good. I've connected with the characters so much. So I have absolutely love Ace Attorney. I really want Phoenix Wright in Super Smash Brothers. if we go back on that topic. And it's another one of those game franchises I highly recommend everyone play. I've only played the first three um, Apollo Justice Ace Attorney, a spinoff. And I started playing um, Ace Attorney Investigations, Miles Edgeworth, and I never finished it. I need to pick that back up. My DS is somewhere at my parents' house, so I'm going to have to pick that up. Now, this will be a speed round. I'm getting a little winded. Not winded. Maybe. (laughs) I'm getting a little long-winded. But just to super quickly hit on some, Saints Row 4. I know it's a weird game to add on, but it was the only Saints Row game I've played. I've heard Saints Row the Third is better is a better Saints Row game, but I heard Saints Row 4 is an amazing Matrix game. (laughs) And it really is. Because that game really hit every single note for me. How it has so... The sense of humor is hilarious. It's kind of raunchy, but it's hilarious. Uh, The customization in it is incredible. I'm a big fan of the customization. uh, How personalized you can make it. The fact that Nolan North, one of the greatest uh, video game voice actors ever, the, voice, the original voice of Deadpool, is in it. But they have you're able to choose all your voices. Here's, just a, here's the sense of humor. You're able to choose for your, the voice of your character, male 1 through 3, female 1 through 3, or Nolan North. 
He's his own selection. So there's a lot of in-jokes, a lot of pop culture references. It's funny. The gameplay is great. It's superhero-themed and very Matrix-oriented. and uh, There's just something about it. I just really enjoy that game. I remember, I remember saying, yeah, I'm going to try this game. Sure, it's on sale. Let me try it. And dying. The gameplay was so fun. The characters were so fun. I just had a blast playing that game. One of the most fun experiences I've ever had playing a video game. So Saints Row 4. Portal 2. One of my all-time faves. Like I'm telling you, uh, when I had my Xbox, I did not have internet. I was not able to play Xbox Live. So I was limited on things that I could do. But one thing I could do is play through the entire story mode of Portal 2 10 to 20 times. <laughs> the characters in that are amazing. I love the story. The gameplay, the whole concept of Portal is insane if you've never played it. You're given this old gun to where you can shoot holes into walls. But you shoot a hole into one wall, and then you go through a hole that you shoot in the other. So if I were to shoot a portal in front of me, and then shoot a portal to the right of me, or say if I were to shoot a portal in front of me right now, in front of my desk, and then shoot one outside, I could go through my wall and end up outside. They take that concept and just run with it. It is a puzzle game, it is a first-person shooter game, it is an adventure game, and it is so darn funny. Portal 1 was just testing the waters on what can be done. Portal 2 just drove it home in amazing ways. Portal 2, one of my all-time faves. I'm going to end it with this. There are very few games that have given me the feeling and the experience that this game has. Undertale. Now, I'm not going to be one of those crazy Undertale fanatics, because I'm not. I'm not one of those like people where you go on the internet like, Oh, the Undertale fandom is so terrible. I'm not one of those. I just love the game. There's nothing like it. Like, I can't even sit here and fully explain it to you. Like, if you were to look at it, you would think that it's just a regular RPG-style game like Pokemon or um, Earthbound, if you've ever played Earthbound. It has that kind of charm to it. But it becomes so much more. You connect to the characters, and they make you connect to the characters because there are two different ways you can play the game. You can... It's the only game that I know of where you can go through the entire game, run into all sorts of different enemies, both charming and silly and scary and downright terrifying. It really runs the gamut as far as how it makes you feel. It really plays with your emotions and makes you keep the light on at night. <laughs> kind of telling on myself. But you're able to go through the entire game, not kill a single person. Or... You can kill everyone. Every single character that you come across. You can just completely destroy them. And they make you feel terrible about it. The humor in it is great. The characters are so relatable. Like, I don't think there's a single character in that game that I don't love. They all have their own charm about them. Uh, it became such a huge meme... For good reason, because the game can be goofy. But it's such a fun game. I, it's one of those, I would say that's had to, if, if, the, if I were to rank these, it'd be in my top five. Probably top three. Because nothing has given me the experience and the feeling that Undertale has. 
that game changes you. <laughs> and I'm not exaggerating. That game really, really can change your life. So, I re- every single game that I mentioned today, play them. That's your homework. Find those games, play them. Most of them that I've mentioned are on Nintendo Switch. Most of them are on Steam. And some of them you have to get older consoles for or emulators. I don't know. Again, emulators, that is off the record. I did not say that. You did not hear it from me. You did not hear it from me. I do not condone it. Don't look at my uh, desktop. I don't condone it. I do not have an emulator folder. Because that would be wrong. (laughs) But... Um, thank you all so much for tuning in and listening to me just rant and ramble on and on and on and on and on and on and on about video games that y'all have never played or have played or may never play. Either way, if the fact that you stuck around to hear me say all this means that you care and that means the world to me. So I hope again, I hope all of you have been having a prosperous new year so far. Hope that it stays that way. I hope it's a darn sight better than the last one. I um, just hope y'all stay happy, and uh, that's really all it boils down to. Just stay happy. Life is too short to not be happy. Don't let small things get in the way. Don't don't sweat the small stuff. If, if things are bad right now, they're going to get better. And if things are good, I hope they stay that way, and I hope no matter what happens, no matter what life throws at you, no matter what God throws at you, I hope you can walk with your head held high. So thank you all for listening, and I'll see you all on Friday.